0: Dialo Dispatch, the podcast that covers ARK Survival Evolved news and ARK Ventures. Today's date is August 29th, 2022, and you're listening to Episode 5. I'm your host, Terena, and I welcome you to break, take a break from the taming building and running for your life to join me as I bring you up to speed on what's been going down on the arc. You can join the discussion by contacting the show on Twitter at Dialo Dispatch. You can email the show at Dispatch at gmail.com, and you can get all of the show notes at dialodispatch.com, dot dispatch.wordpress.com, and you can now find all the other podcasts that I do about gaming, and then some at dot Network.com. I do a World of Warcraft podcast, a Final Fantasy 14 podcast, a podcast about narcissism, the Reddit am I the A-hole? I do, and a gaming, cozy gaming uh, podcast. So you can find all six shows that I do at the Cozy Podcast Network. CozyPodcastNetwork.com So, you wouldn't think that there's a lot of stuff to talk about ARC. Everybody's like, oh, Arc's finally evolved. It's It's uh, been out for seven years now. Well, there's still a lot of stuff to talk about. There's still a very active community. <laughs> and um, we're going to be diving into the news and then hitting up that global chat. Let's get started. All right, our ARC Survival Evolved news begins now. On survivetheark.com, the the latest Community Crunch was posted saying, Next week we're kicking off the beginning of PAX West with a community live stream from the ARC office. At 10 a.m. Pacific on Friday, September 2nd, Cedric and members of the Grove Street team We'll talk about the enhancements that are included in the upcoming release of Arc Ultimate Survivor Edition on the Nintendo Switch. We'll also be doing a live version of the Community Crunch and going over the amazing community content from the week. If you are in Seattle from September 2nd through September 5th, be sure to stop by their PAX West ARK booth number 325 on the main floor level 4, a real life-size version of H-L-N-A, Helena. That's how I like to say Helena. The complete with an incredible holographic display face will be in attendance to interact directly with ARC survivors. I just think that's awesome. So whatever burning questions or comments you've always wanted to ask, that's the time to do it. And there will be no EVO event this week. They tossed that in. And in regards to mobile news... Alright, for ARK Mobile news on SurviveTheArk.com, it was posted on Wednesday. The time has come for us to phase out some official servers. The reason for this phase out is twofold. One, ease of server moderation. Removing low population servers. The phase out process begins on September 19th, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and will end on September 23rd. Players will have five days to transfer off of these servers no new players will be able to join these servers and all existing players will be given access to a free server transfer ticket in the in-game store the free server transfer ticket allows for a free revival of each of your tame implants and has also been adjusted to allow your element balance and dungeon keys to come with you you will not see the element or keys listed in your server transfer ticket ui but it will come with you so as long as it is in your inventory when you upload the ticket and they will also be hosting a special survival surge event with four times harvesting on September 23rd through September 25th to help with those transitioning players getting established on the new servers and as a reminder when transferring off of one of these servers please make sure that the creature implants you decide to bring with you are from tames which are personally owned any implement or any implants from creatures not personally owned will revive as wild and incur the standard amber revival cost you must revive a personally owned creature implant on the new server to avoid the revival cost and maintain its tame status the entire server transfer ticket faq can be found in the show notes, and it can also be found at survivetheart.com in the mobile news section. There's an entire list of all the servers that are being phased out, way too many of them for me to share here without just being monotonous. <laughs> There's at least 20 of them. So I just wanted to add that in, and that was posted by posted by Grove Street Jack on survivetheart.com. And keeping on the vibe of Grove Street Games, they tweeted out at Grove Street Games on Twitter, one of the new features coming to Arc on Switch is the virtual cursor. It gives the player mouse-style controls and provides much easier menu navigation. Players can use in conjunction with the D-pad in menus, which has been improved from the base game. So I wanted to add that in, and we're going to be moving on. It has been five years since August 29, 2017, when Ark Survival Evolved was initially launched. Metacritic has given the Survival MMORPG mediocre to average reviews, although Steam has received the majority of them. Over the past five years, players have invested hundreds of hours to thousands of hours in the game. The key question is, What has kept this game so popular over the last five years? But the answer becomes rather clear when one considers all that has transpired since the game's first release. One major factor in the option for gamers to play alone or with friends. The basic game is good and a ton of player creative modifications have actually made it enjoyable for many, many, many more hours than not having them at all to be honest. Other and over the last five years ARK Survival Evolved has seen a lot of players but there have also been some problems that have come up here and there such as numerous cheaters and the exploiters that try to destroy the game for others Despite the ups and downs of the previous five years, plus, let's be honest, the two previous years when it first came out in Early Access, they helped to get the game to where it is now. After five years, Ark Survival Evolved has got a follow-up and spin-offs like Ark Park and the PixArk. Early access to Ark 2, its impending successor, is anticipated to launch for PC and Xbox series and in... 2023 and Unreal Engine 5 will be used to create the sequel to the first game, which was created in Unreal Engine 4. And a 14 episode animated series based on the Ark Survival Evolve game has also been revealed already. And over the time, the original game also received expansions. The Scorched Earth expansion, Aberration, Extinction, Genesis Part 1, and Part 2 are just some of the five expansion packs that were released for it. All of these brought in new creatures, new tools new materials and maps and an entirely new vibe for each map to be honest. Six DLCs including The Sunner, Ragnarok, Valgero, Crystal Isles, Lost Island, and Fjordor were also published with free map expansions. The majority of the game's mechanics would alter with more approved DLCs like Primal Survival, Primitive Plus, and Survival of the Fittest. Aberration was also the most well-liked one of the DLCs, compared to like what's been you know out of all of them which I personally thought it looked like beautiful. I love the glowing colors but I like not being in a cave most of the time playing but it was a really in depth map that is for sure. Many assume that it's impo- that it's possible to learn a lot about Ark Survival Evolve's current status five years later just by clicking on the most recent reviews on Steam but if you just look at the online community on places like Steam it would look like it has received a Lot of unfavorable evaluations which may be significant for an mmo these are often definitely valid complaints about certain aspects of the game surrounding certain play styles of the game numerous reviews emphasize how the game has become increasingly filled with cheats and exploiters over time hurting this experience for everyone and many people doubt that you know the developer will deal with this growing issue The fraud has taken several forms, including DDoS assaults, duping, and mushing. With a tiny development staff, it is unclear whether or not these problems will ever be completely resolved. Many go to the forums and complain about these issues, and in most cases rightfully so, as no one loves to be robbed of thousands of hours of playtime and everything they have accomplished during that time. When people who follow the rules are getting wiped out, by those not following the rules and then justice is not served in their eyes, they will go to Reddit and they will go to Steam and they will go to any ARC forum to appeal for vindication. There is always two sides to a coin and there is always three sides to a story and the part I think that is often overlooked is that it can be a very hard, expensive, and time-consuming job to actively try to think like a jack wagon in order to continuously keep up with one five or more steps ahead of a jack wagon the type of a player who is not playing by the rules but instead hell-bent on finding ways to break bend, and exploit a game 24-7. It's the hard reality of gaming. Some of us have more responsibilities and less time to game and some of us can set a computer for 12 or more hours without a care in the world except the goal to win and some will win at any cost. Ethics fly out the window and rules are broken. Devoting a team to consistently working on trying to stop these exploits from, from head on isn't always doable it's not always viable especially for a game that does not have a subscription base either In my opinion whenever you have a group of competitive players meet in one place like in this case a server you will have the motivation to win superseding over anything those that fall victim to the jackwagonry will suffer and stop playing, and I can't blame them, but I also can't blame a dev studio for not being able to think like a jackwagon 24 7 in order to stop the ever-changing desire to do wrong in order to win. That's the part of the ARC player base I remember rolling my eyes at. The if you don't PvP an arc, you suck faction. Why would anyone actually want to seriously PvP an arc When talent is tossed out the window, and those breaking the rules will not stop, they will just change course and find a new way to break the rules. I mean, really. I totally get the frustration involved regarding this topic on both sides and why after five years into the actual full release of the game, there are still the same issues I remember people complaining about. But at least the dev team is still actively fixing exploits. We don't know which ones because they normally just post that they fixed an exploit, which I don't blame them either because if they are detailing what exactly they've been working on and targeting these areas. It just gives the Jack Wagons a heads up. So, and despite the negative reviews that roll in from the PvP community, ARC still has the very positive review status in Steam. And just like with any game I play that has PvP and PvE, both of the communities will have entirely different outlooks and opinions on the game. Positive feedback indicates that the best version of the game focuses on the PvE components like crafting, constructing, roleplay, creating a world within a world, and just living with a community of people. It is simple to play on a server that only is for friends, which eliminates the drawbacks and the exploiters and the cheaters on official servers. You can host a PvP or a PvE server and control the environment yourself. Players continue to describe the game as addictive because there's actually so many things you can do in this game, which is the beauty of the sandbox genre. Several reviews on Steam indicate that they have played it more than a thousand hours. I am in that camp. I started playing Arc when it released into Early Access and have recently returned after taking a very long break. And returning from a long break, I still love this game. It's the only game I actually have ever reviewed on Steam. i played so many games on Steam, but I love this game so much that I took the time five plus years ago to sit down and actually write a review on it. And I have so many awesome memories of playing with people over the past seven years, with people and also solo. So happy fifth anniversary to you, Ark Survival Evolve and Wildcard. I personally feel you have accomplished a lot. You have accomplished a lot. <laughs> All right. Now let's jump into global chat. All right, our first global chat post is coming from Twitter. Um, it's the arc2 news at arc2 news. And this is not an official website or a Profile for ARC. It is actually um, a it's not affiliated with Survivor of the arc.com. That's what their profile says. it, But they do try to keep up on the latest news, updates, and more for the ARC animated series, ARC, and ARC 2. And they had tweeted out, which kind of got the conversation flowing, um, with the picture coming from Gamescom. And it was a graphic that was released, and it said, First semester, 2023, and it has the Xbox emblem. And then in each quadrant, it had... Uh, image from a game being released you know for xbox in the first semester and arc 2 imagery is in the top portion of that graphic so that got everybody excited and stirred up talking about you know is it indeed being released at the beginning of 2023 in the first semester the first part of 2023. So, you know, a a lot of people were commenting on it. Some of them, you know, being like, meh, you know, this isn't even a real official account. You know, but it's an official graphic that that was put out. um, So, by Adir Samir, I believe it is. So, um, it actually came out for the Xbox. So, a lot of people were just commenting underneath. We're going to just kind of touch over some of them. F my. Okay, there we are. Um, so, like, um, Gamer Perfection replied, this isn't official though. This is just artwork made by someone. It's not from Xbox. And then, um, Natural Causes says they showcase the dates at the last event. So while the image is not official, it is based on official information. So, you know, just kind of put that feather in your hat and, you know, cause it's, the graphic was put together off from released information at the Gamescom from what I'm gathering. So that is coming from Global Chat and the next tweet is by Gamer Perfection, which has changed their Twitter to GP at GPXGP. And they tweeted out, it's not even November yet, and the studio wildcard team roster has already filled or already raised $450 for at extra life for kids. Bell on Twitch is the best for getting this started so early so you can already start donating and i'll put the link to the show notes but you can um check out the extralife.org uh, link i believe yeah they have uh the the post on the extra life that you can go and search for a studio wild card and you can uh, start donating right now right now i will put the link to that right in the show notes so you can go to the show notes at dialodispatch.com and and donate if you so desire, if you want to get a head start on that. And then the next post is by, on Twitter, CudaCores at CudaCores, and they're posting a job listing for Wildcard Studios right now, and I'm going to go visit that. It's at studiowildcard.bamboohr.com and also the show notes, and it's for a video production assistant, remote or on-site. And it just says that we're Studio Wildcard, developers of the smash indie hit, Ark Survival Evolved, one of the most popular original video games in recent years. They added, despite our massive success, we've been able to stay independent so that we can steer our own future in games and beyond. There's never been a better time for you to join this adventure and help us build ARC 2 in the next chapter of our original hit franchise. We're expanding and updating many of the ARC community's most beloved features while taking full advantage of the latest tools and technologies. And now we're searching for an exceptionally talented and passionate video production assistant who can create high-impact work for the expanding ARC franchise. And then they go on to list the responsibilities and the requirements The pluses and the required application materials and then more about studio wildcard that was founded in 2014 and so um, the link to that is in the show notes at dilodispatch.com and you can also follow CudaCores on Twitter if you want to see it for yourself so moving on to subreddit Alright, our first Reddit post we're going to cover is Titanosaur killing with Stegos. And this took an interesting turn because the original poster had posted a question on how to actually make this happen. And it was posted by Blazing1 on Reddit and they said, I'm making a stego army to kill a titanosaur and I need some tips on how to kill the titan. Right now I'm breeding the second army after the first one died fighting the titan. I've tried to do some of the things the folks on the other arc subs said I should do, like send the stegos and waves. The only way I got the titan to even bleed was sending the remaining 100 stegos. Now I'm breeding the second army and I just just want to see what ideas you guys come up with that I could that can use to help me win. Note I'm only using Stegos to fight the Titan. So long fluffy dragon said 100 Stegos. I have so many questions starting with why are you doing this? Why Stegos? They have atrocious damage and will most just mostly just body block each other. Titanos have Two hundred and thirty thousand health points and one thousand damage, massive AOE attacks, as a reference. And then affectionate wait forty sixty five said, "Did you post about this recently, or was it a friend? Because if you did, we did say it's impossible, as a titan can wipe out all the segos with a couple slashes. But you have made it bleed, so maybe do the strategy and try." To time the attack so when the Titan and the stego army trade hits Then the next stego army can attack if you can't send them from different sides Make sure they're not one hit at least two hits So blazing one the original poster replied no I actually posted it here to see if you guys had some tips But I have actually already now killed the Titan (laughs) so how awesome was that affectionate weight replied oh congrats I recommended using dust modus in your last post did you use that or just some hordes of stegos and blazing one says here's the link if you want to see so I put the link in the show notes because it is a really it's really cool it's just the, the a short video showing blazing stuck to their guns they had a wave of stegos they have this titan, titanosaurus I love how fluid this attack went! You could tell that they have really this was a goal. This was like a life goal of theirs, and it was so cool. So I put the link in the show notes for that. Even tweeted it out off from the Twitter Dillo Dispatch because it just was so impressive. It was so fast, so efficient, and to top it off, which I thought was just adorable, was this little dodo. So imagine blazing one on their server. They had like three. I think it was three little armies, and I should say not little armies, three armies, big armies of stegos, and they're spaced out. And it was almost like a dino battle orchestra, if that's how I could describe it. And Blazing One sense in one wave, and they go in at it. And then I think they did time it perfectly, because then they send in the second wave. And you could just see them right on. There's no glitz and glam, no music, no theatrics. They just went in and did what they meant to do. And they succeeded, and I loved it. And, and the the awesome part on the end was this little Dodo, after Blazing sent in all of those stegos, a Dodo must have followed them from their base, because it, like, finally caught up to the battle. And you just see this little Dodo ready to hit flapping its wings, and you know we've all been there. Like, we've all accidentally summoned a Dodo to follow us along with whatever else we had following us, and the Dodo's just flapping its little wings and, and spastically trying to catch up, and Blazing lovingly picks up the Dodo and tries to push it away, like, no, no, get back there, and throws it back. It comes back, throws it back, it comes back, then he's like, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna carry it with me. So then... So then Blazing on their flying squirrel, um, they are holding this dodo while wrapping up this Titan battle. And it was just, it was awesome. It was like a little dino orchestra. So I definitely had to include that in this episode's global chat. Alright, our next global chat is off from the Reddit Play Arc, and it's by Arcoholic Dino Man, and it's titled Bela Boss, and they have to say, Good day, y'all. Fought Bela this week. Significantly easier than I expected. Almost didn't feel like a boss. Even though I used a giga, usually I find the bosses at least put up some kind of fight, but not here. For anyone who's interested in what the fight might look like, especially newer players, this was my method. I have heard Megatheriums work really good too. How did you guys kill her? So then Elegant Rays said, Gigas make all of the world bosses a breeze, although the Velenosaurs versus the Rock Bear is fun too. And Archaholic. Replied, they definitely do, but this particular one was not even on the same scale as the Steingeborn or the Wolf Twins, in my opinion. And Elegant replied, "If you use mag- Megatheriums or a similar-sized ones, she actually flies up and summons drones to attack, making her a bit tougher. But Giggo's being that they hit her at the top, it actually stops this mechanic." So Archaholic replied. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even know that she had attacks because she just stayed on the ground the whole time. Knowing that she has at least some kind of attack besides spit, spitting crap on the ground makes her slightly more interesting. I guess I accidentally cheesed her. And then Blazing One, which is the superstar from the Titan Stego story from earlier, said, I defeated a Bela with 16 tech Stegos, so it's not a hard boss. (laughs) Were we surprised? No. (laughs) And that's the one thing cool about Blazing's uh, tech Stego or Stego Titan battle is that they actually were all tech Stegos that they bred for to kill that Titan. So um, that's cool that Blazing is not giving up on his Stego love or on their Stego love and, um, Dino Man OP, the original poster, said, That sounds fun as hell. I'd love to watch a video of them stegos clapping at that bee. So, and then Blazing replied, I only have a screenshot, and I don't have enough runestones to do it again. So, moving on to our next post on Play of the Arc Reddit, Little Things That Bug You. Dhammer made a post that said, Arc is a fantastic game, and I've thoroughly enjoyed playing, and I still am. I say this because I don't want the intention of this post misunderstood. It's not a rant about the game, but there are a few little things that are just plain irritating or don't make any sense. Here's one of mine, what are yours? And then they go on to list theirs by saying flyers that get stuck in the air because they get weighed down. I mean, I think everyone can agree it makes no sense from a perspective of realism to completely defy the general laws of physics, especially when the solution would be simple, drain their stamina and have them fall to the ground or forced to land. What's something that bugs you? So, little did they know that D-Hammer's like digging a hole right here. Like, let's have a post to complain. And everybody's like, yeah. So, Dread Cthulhu said, one of the caves on Scorched has a red drop that is below the instant death line of the death pit and it's sticking out of. It looks like you should be able to do a grappling hook to it, but it will kill you without any sort of warning. In general, I'm not a fan of instant death pits in general, (laughs) especially with lag and issues with creature pathfinding AI. Just a poor gameplay mechanic. And then Anton says, there are always clans on PvE servers preventing others from... Exploring the, getting the explorer notes and the runes. Max Plan said, no walking or encumbered animation, only running slowed down. It seems like something done as a placeholder while waiting for the animation frames to be completed, but then forgotten about. Someone needs to make a mod to add walking and encumbered animations. (laughs) I don't know that I would add a mod to make myself look like I'm suffering more realistically. (laughs) But you do you. (laughs) So the Corgisaurus Rex said that uh, random flea mechanics on the aggressive dinos and alphas, I get it's a part of the game if their torpor is like up and they can't reach you or whatever, but having to chase down an alpha raptor or an alpha carno running full sprint in the opposite direction is always mildly annoying. Just get back here and fight me! I hear you because you think like alphas are like, alpha, and then when they run away, you're like, um, this is not, you know, the actions and the, and the anger is not lining up. I feel like you just, alpha should just be bloodthirsty and never give up the fight. They, I just don't feel like alphas should be running away. So I agree 100%. Sarah Monet. Now this is, Sarah is like, what? You made a, you made a Reddit post about things that annoy me, Sarah May's- I feel like Sarah Monet has been holding the sin for the past five, seven years. <laughs> so let's go. And yeah, I'm not joking. Sarah May did not disappoint. They- they made a very detailed list, so I may not include it all because yeah, it's very long, but I'll just skip through some of them. No language translator. I wish servers had language restrictions so we can server up with players that speak our lingo. I'm not sure that we should have like servers with language restrictions, but it would be cool if <laughs> if there was a way to have some sort of a translation method in there to kind of, but that would be a whole undertaking. To have like an AI built into global chat that automatically changed people's, <laughs> so that would be awesome. But yeah, threatening to discontinue Arc 1. Or stop services to Arc One when Arc 2 releases, especially the holiday events, especially the colored dinos. And I could see that because I feel like there is this looming sense of dread, like this little gray cloud side-eyeing us in the distance, knowing the closer we get to Arc 2 release, that what does that mean for us who have spent the past seven years of our life loving Arc One? What does that mean for us? And there really hasn't been a lot of information given to us on like what that means for us. Because in reality, they are paying to host players on these servers that they don't charge you to do. Like when I run a when I rent a server to play on my own, I'm paying like $13 to $15 bucks a month in order to do it and I'm not like tech savvy to be like I have an extra computer where I can host my own (laughs) I'm just not that person I don't have an extra computer to host my own server off from and if I did I probably wouldn't know what to do with it because I'm just that's not where my talent lies and I'm really envious and and I honor the big brains that do that stuff. So, but I'm not one of them. So <laughs> kudos to you. Wish I was like that. But I understand. I understand the, the gray cloud hovering over. Like, what does this mean for Arc 1 With Arc, when Arc 2 comes out? So, and also, Sarah adds, Steam thinking that we're in game when a crash happens, requiring players to log completely out of Steam... Or it shows your character is actually still in game, making you unable to join a server. Yeah, that's actually been happening more. I don't remember that happening a lot in the past, but it definitely has been happening more often. When we do just randomly, even on my server, just randomly getting kicked out randomly. It still shows that you're in the game, but you're not in the game. So then you can't get in the game because it already thinks you're in the game. That has been really frustrating, so I agree. Crashing in Swamp, specifically. Always the Swamp. Always the Swamp next to the green obby on the island map. Once again, Sarah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Sarah's not wrong. That always seemed to be on the island map. If I was flying on something, it would just like, BONK, and then you know. It's just certain death. It's just certain death. Yeah, Sarah's on it. Should, re- should be restrictions placed on players. Having more than 100 dinos out, not cry out over a month's time the varying decay timers i wish all items in the game had the exact same decay timer so we could build with whatever constructions we wanted to and not be forced to go to the highest construction so our base does not decay i can see that um i don't know how they would tackle that i almost feel like yeah because if you're in a pve server and you want to add some thatch for a roof and then have some wood walls, but also have some metal components to like m- to finish off the look. You don't want to have to keep logging in on the thatch timer just to keep your whole build in play. So that is one hundred percent valid in my opinion. I don't know how they could get around that unless there was like a like a separate item, like how they did in Pixar, where anything within the radius of this particular crafted item. Is, or kind of like how the crafting benches in uh, Valheim, like it shows like a radius, you know Anything within that radius has this timer. So I think that would be kind of cool if everybody if you could craft a Certain perimeter that has uh, everything within that perimeter is going to all decay on one timer I think that would be cool. I don't know if it's doable I don't know how much work that would be but I could say that be a nice compromise And then also, uh, dead bodies getting stuck in the world after a reset is annoying. I would love to see the dead rise after being still for three days. Also, bored of drowning noobs. Could we lighten them up? Light them up on fire, please? (laughs) Sarah says it would be awesome if they turned to zombies that we could fight. I love Sarah. (laughs) Sarah Monet on Reddit is amazing. I love all of your ideas and your complaints. Players leaving their pets on your base. If someone has not logged into the game for like a week, their pets should just expire. Force players to use cryopods to, or stay active. Not leave their pets all over for months on end. Unrendered, untouched, they've quit arc, moved on, and we're still dealing with their their, their trial test of the game. So true. Spiked fences on PvE. I can't get anywhere with my dinos on follow. Everyone's leaving spiked walls all over the place. I have no solution. just saying that it's annoying. Being forced to use traps to catch dinos. Again, they get left behind. Then my pets are on follow and they get stuck on other players' traps. The decay timers for everything should just be the same, no matter what material is made from. And players should only get one week until they have to render and empty servers and old official maps. Could we merge a few of these? Not enough server and new DLC populated maps. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know how much work like to merge server I don't know how that would work because we all have bases on those servers. So if somebody had a server base on one server, if somebody had a ber- base in the same spot on the other server, I don't know if you would merge it without losing your bases. And then if the if was like, guess what, we're going to merge our servers and everybody's going to lose all of their base stuff. Then they have to deal with the backlash of all those angry people who have spent all that time building these bases. I don't know. I imagine if you could get everybody who's played on a server for X amount of time to, like, sign on to doing this. That would be one thing. I don't know. But that seems a little bit, I don't feel, I don't know how that would work. The logistics seems sketchy. Beginner servers getting ignored, like an unwanted stepchild. Okay, so Wildcard decided to do not to do wipes anymore, or they forgot us, fine. But try to communicate with the beginner servers about it. Let us know you have stopped doing wipes. Don't wipe every time I come into these... <laughs> don't wipe every time I come in these forums and mention you forgot us again. Just stop forgetting us. The scary feeling that ARK 1 is going to die and and I'll lose everything I've ever worked for. I want to download all of my pets into single player and be assured that the single player version of ARK 1 will never be discontinued. Sarah, I did not intend to read all of Sarah's posts, but all of them were like spot on. (laughs) I cannot argue with Sarah's posts. They are spot on. And like I said, I totally get that feeling, that gray cloud just looking over there going, mm-hmm, your days are numbered, dark one. I can't I can't ignore that thought. This is just hanging out there. And to wrap up this topic, Quarti Mine said Sindaria. They're really getting on my nerves. As I do more stuff in the Fjordor Ocean, they are just everywhere. So my input. I have always been irritated by the drastic size differences between the gates. It's always annoyed me ever since seven years ago. I remember complaining about like a Sarko being able to fit in one, but not being able to fit through the small dino gate, but a T-Rex could. And then they ended up fixing that. But I hate the fact that we go from a small dino gate to a behemoth. Like you go from... Having an aesthetically pleasing small dino gate and that works until you get bigger dinos. So then All of a sudden your only other choice is behemoth Like where's the middle gate? Can we not have four sizes of dino gates? We have more than four sizes of dinos Why can't we have gates that replicate the actual dino sizes and don't make us go from one extreme to the next? And then if we have the behemoth gates why do they have to be big, solid freaking walls that block off the entire world that we're building in? Like, nothing is more of an eyesore when I look, when I go on an official server, just freaking behemoth gates everywhere, and then now the tech monstrosities. It really irritates me. So, I am just over it. It's like a huge, it's overdone. It's overdone, in my opinion. But, that's just my opinion because this is global chat where we get to share our opinions. <laughs> Alright, next, next one. Oh uh, wait, I want to make sure I'm not missing it, I want to make sure I'm not missing it, uh, f- Naked Mole Rat said I'm on a PVC, yeah, PC server, blah blah blah. I'm going to pause it real quick, make sure I'm not missing somebody's post. Yeah, it was totally blending posts. Alright, our next post is posted by Naked Mole Rat Dave and their title is Fyodor Artifact Help. And they say, I am on a PC server on Fjordor and for some reason the artifact of the Devourer will not spawn when we go for it. Any ideas why? And Delta John replied, whenever I had this problem, I just waited some time and it would spawn eventually. Make sure you go to the right location. Not all artifacts are the same as with the Fiordor map was a mod. If you want, I have all the newest locations here. And then they gave... Um, a YouTube link to where they have marked all the artifacts on Fyodor, and those are in the show notes. And then um, they have a post by one negative person messing around with interior decorating and really considering taking the next step of creating a museum or a zoo on the server in which I play on. Would you visit a museum on a PV server just to check it out? And this is posted on Reddit and they've made a post where the whole museum is like in glass and metal and they start posting all of like their trophies in a really cool way it really looks neat and definitely check it out but um the replies are pretty cool about said mate this is amazing work so good you should be proud and Ice Tiger in 1998 said, my buddy started a church of terror birds and some people still showed. <laughs> and Demonic the Gamer said, some people on our server started a dung beetle circus once and we had to pay kibble to get it. <laughs> That's awesome. They spent 10 minutes throwing dung beetles around in big empty room. Worth my exceptional kibble to get in. 10 out of 10. Ark certainly has some interesting things, Ice Tiger rolled him. And then Wicked Game says, oh, I need to see this. And Raptor with a Gun said, I try to make a museum on every map I play on, kind of to show off every achievement in the form of a museum. I also add the wall mounts, the chibi displays from S+, which I have an addiction of making 3 million when there's an event, and the training dummies to put my old armor on. And then Water Nymph said, this is great. I'd visit. i make making a museum of blue on my home server all blue creatures and then the the, they kept posting in the the voting is definitely a yay definitely do this stuff on your server and um priest 004 said, Funny thing, the server I play on actually has a museum. It gets filled with the dermies from players bringing trophies. Also as well as there being a room dedicated to tames that we have lost, and a room that is a room of shame for all the stupid ways in which we have died. And as we all know, there are many. Thank you, Sleepy, for all of your hard work in building and maintaining it for us all. And um, they wanted to say to the original poster, make your museum. People will come and visit. We'll contribute to it. This is a great way to have your PVE people interact together. So definitely a vote in the yes direction. I'm always a fan of that kind of stuff. I love the community, Um, stuff like that you can do on official and unofficial. It's definitely fun. Alright, now time for my brief arc venture. My tribe member Mossy and I decided to make a new base on the northern continent. We're on the fjordor map, smack dab in the middle. Mossy found a fantastic castle area and started to build on it. And once I got things settled on our coastal base, I started my move to the new northern base. Because, you know, you end up outgrowing your bases. When you first start on a map, you always start on like the beach area. And I always like to plunk down right there because, you know, you want to build someplace safe. But then after you get bigger and you get level up and you get better weapons and you get better dinos and you get better gear, you start venturing inward in the more dangerous areas and you don't want to keep hafting to go out to your starter base. So now we have moved to the northern continent on the top of the map of Fjordor, like right in the middle zone area and it's in this valley. And because of the extensive travel to get there, the only dinos we were able to take with us to start out was was a flyer for each of us. So I picked out Pia the snow owl and out of the aviary and headed that way to catch up. And the thing I noticed about snow owls that I absolutely love is their ability to stop on a dime as opposed to what I was used to was just flying around on argents. And they always have that lingering floating ability where... Where um, the owls just go, err and you have more of a targeted movement in that way. And the pool of stamina gave me so much peace flying over the ocean to our new base, I didn't have to freak out because... I was just like, oh man, this is quite a flight over. Instead of going all the way around the land, I was just going to cut across. And I thought, oh, on my origin, I know I wouldn't have made it. I would, my butt would have been puckering all the way over the water the whole time going, ah, am I going to make it? But this, the snow owl that we have actually did amazing. So I also, side note, love the snow owls because they make it so easy when you're building up high and you you know you can only jump so high to place like a wall or a window or something or a ceiling but on the snow owl, because they're not like the argent's and they don't do that floating i can actually get more targeted and place stuff better so i really like that yeah it's like a moving it's like a flying scaffolding you know to help build with so that is fun And uh, so far, the excitement in the valley that we are setting up in comes from the fact that we're in a valley. And that means that the dinos fall off the cliffs above us and float or just float over the waterfall. And it brings in like a roulette of dinos. You really never know what's going to pop over the edge at you. (laughs) So uh, like I was out chopping the wood when I first got there and in an area I had scoped out before landing with my snow owl, and poof, a second later, I'm getting jumped by freaking raptors. And I heard the thud, 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 thud. And you just know. You just know certain dinos have certain, like, running sounds. And I heard it. And I just flipped around just in time to, like, start stabbing whatever it was. I'm just like, get your spear and just start stabbing. And so then, thankfully, Pia was there to help, you know, kill it off, too. And... The Eco Highland Homes mod is still proving to be utterly amazing on the server made by Eco. That's why I called it the Eco Highland Homes mod because there is bridge building components that go perfectly with the rest of the other buildings on the Fjordro map. It doesn't like stick out and look like oh that doesn't even belong. It They're stoned, they're rustic looking, they're, they're just awesome. So I plopped down one of the prefab tree houses on a chunk of land that is actually higher than the castle that's already there but lower than the valley wall so i've used this bridge components to like attach my treehouse island to the castle so i can just run across this bridge and down these big stairs And I love it, and I can't imagine playing Arc without mods like this, and I can't wait for others to be able to use them too, because they're saying in ARK 2 we're supposed to be able to use mods, and people on consoles are going to have easier access to them, so I'm excited for everybody to have finally get their hands on some of these awesome mods. I'm really holding out hope that it happens the way I expect it to happen in my mind. Moving on! All right, now it's what's in a name? I have actually been seeing a lot of posts on Reddit for people being like, please help me name this dinosaur. I can't think of a name. Well, I got your back, I got you. I have ten names to help name your dinosaurs right now. Quick Fang, Bobasaur, Little Arms, Fearsome, Overbite, Broken Fang, Fang, Tyra, I Bite, and Dan. Alright, what's in that bush? All right, what's in that bush? What's in that bush? You know what? An ammonite is in that bush. <laughs> this must be an underwater bush, I, I believe, yeah. So, an ammonite is a species of Ammonitina multimicus. It comes from the late Jurassic period and mid-crustaceous period. The diet is a bottom feeder. And the temperament is passive. We have a passive water bush over here. And wild, it's usually found in the deepest parts of the water around the island. Amantina multamicus has a strange relationship with other creatures of the deep. It must do something beneficial for them since every nearby sea creature defends Amantina. When attacked, this is the distinct symbiosis is based on. Alas, I have yet discovered Amentina also has made its way into the deeper parts of many water caves, underwater caves, because I don't know what kind of water caves you got going on if it's not underwater. Anyways, Helena, uh, even with these caves, the creature will draw attention if assaulted, making harvesting its resource rich shell a tricky Proposition, depending on what other dangers may be lurking nearby. Domesticated, like many of the untamable ocean dwellers get that, this is untamable. Amantina, the Amantina still has enough utility to be a valuable hunting target. If a tribe is willing to risk the wrath of nearby would-be predators, are you picking up what she's laying down? Amantina bile can be harvested from the innards. Sorry, it's funny. Innards is a word that's always cracked me up. From the innards of its corpse. This bile can be worked over with other chemicals to produce powerful concoctions. The most notable being a mixture that causes creatures to become enraged and attack the source of the scent. (laughs) Ha ha ha! I wonder why. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, this is from the dossier, the in-game dossier, and these were Helena's notes. And, um, the behavior of the Amantinina. Apparently, I've already forget forgot how to pronounce it. Amantinina. Yeah, we'll just say Tina. Unlike the majority of animals in the ocean, Tina is a passive animal that will not fight back. However, when attacked, it will release a green, inky substance into the water, causing all wild animals nearby to become aggressive, including nearby land animals. Oh, that has to be hilarious. All right, so these are some tips coming from the dododex.com app for iOS and Android. And uh, the first tip is... For those who are wondering what their bile is for, check the wiki. It's the irreplaceable material for crafting pheromone darts. The dart can be used to attract all wildlife around the target to enrage and attack the target for 30 seconds. Useful in PvP. About as useless in single player. Uh, So if you're on single player like me, there's not much to gain by killing ammonites. Or Tina's. Uh, Some things that I don't think anyone has mentioned yet. Ammonite rage attacks not just normal wildlife, but alphas as well. And as people have said, they will not be restricted by their normal limit in water. So look around before hitting an Ammonite, especially if you can't kill it in one hit. And as an ichthyosaurus, have an invisible glitch feature that causes creatures to simply ignore it and its rider most of the time, even when attacked, shared by, in parentheses, shared by all creatures, tamed inside tribute caves to ensure you do not anger any creature you want to kill it from behind and wait for the creature to calm down before hitting it again if it angers. It might seem perfectly suited to kill Ammonites. Wrong! Ammonite rage completely nullifies the invisible glitch when it's active often resulting in a breathtaking sprint away from furious plesios, mosas, and in one occasion an alpha mosa that nearly managed to kill my ichthy. So unless you just want a quick getaway mount, don't bring an ichthy to kill ammonites. And three, aside from their unique bile, they also drop silica pearls, oil and rarely black pearls, and they're not as rare as some of the other black pearl dropping creatures. So if you can handle anything the ocean throws at you, it might be worth your time to find and kill them for the pearls. All right, that has been episode five of the Dilo Dispatch. If you want to join in the discussion, share your tips, share your adventures, your thoughts and opinions, you can contact the show on Twitter at Dilo Dispatch. You can email the show at the Dilo at gmail.com and you can go to find the show notes wherever you can listen to the show and all the other platforms you can find the show at the Dilo Dispatch. Well, I just keep saying the Dilo, it's Dilo Dispatch.com or Dilo Dispatch. Either one will take you there. And also, this podcast is a member of the Cozy Podcast Network, home to all. Of my podcasts that cover Warcraft, Final Fantasy 14, ARC, Am I the A Hole, Reddit Post, Narcissism, and Gaming. I have six podcasts and you can find them all over there at the Cozy All right, I look forward to hearing from you. Share those uh, adventures and those tips and your overall thoughts of ARC Survival Evolved. Happy adventures. Bye.